Coming up in this month's episode, find out how art meets space with a new project called Kielder Narratives. There's a thing that happens when you're there, when you're presented with the vastness of the universe and the vastness of Kielder. It's, it's almost overwhelming. Initially, you don't quite know what you what you're going to do apart from kind of stand there in awe we'll hear from the team involved in creating that and the final work itself very soon first of all though joining myself ian brannan is director of astronomy at kielder observatory dan pye to look at what the night sky has in store for us in the closing part of 2023 and the first part of 2024 dan welcome as always and uh, meteor showers have been quite a thing haven't they over the past few weeks and some great sightings at Kielder as well. Yeah, they have. And it was actually unexpectedly a very clear night. It was exactly what you wanted from a meteor shower night. No moon, clear skies. Uh, yeah, and it was great. And and interestingly, <laughs> I'm, I'm notoriously terrible for catching meteors. Usually it's my camera is pointing the opposite direction to a really good meteor. But I caught one. A really good one this time. So I'm really pleased that 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 happened. (laughs) (laughs) You can realise your dreams. And this is the Geminid shower as well, isn't it? The Geminids meteor shower. That was the Geminids. Yeah, yeah. So Geminids is quite interesting this year, actually, because um, the Geminids is a slightly different meteor shower than what we get regularly. So usually with the Geminids, we get uh, we're moving through the tail end of a comet with the exception of a couple. And... The couple in exception are around the same time of year, actually. So this this one, the Geminids, we once thought, and if you Google it, it says that it was the result of us moving through the debris trail of an asteroid with a comet-like orbit. So that means it's got this orbit where it goes really close to the sun, and then it passes some of the orbits of the planets back out into the solar system, then comes back again, goes around the sun again. Well, earlier in the year, there was a couple of... Um, uh, research projects which had a look at this particular comet, uh, this particular asteroid, sorry, because people were thinking, uh, or these two people in particular were, were thinking that this asteroid might not be producing enough, enough debris to stimulate the Geminids meteor shower, uh, which is about 2,000, I think it's about 2,000 kilograms per second that we move through. Um, now, when that research was done earlier on in the year, what they did was they had a look at the uh, asteroid as it got closest to the sun. And it did what we call outgassing, where gas escapes from it or it sublimates ice um, or whatever. Um, and, and it was doing this outgassing at a rate of about three kilograms per second. And so th- the kind of conclusion that this this chap who was doing the research at the very beginning of the year got to was that actually... It may be that this asteroid doesn't have enough debris associated with it to give us the Geminids meteor shower. So what was a kind of mystery as to what created the Geminids meteor shower has kind of almost returned to being a little bit of a mystery again. And and maybe we can get somebody on in the new year who can tell us a little bit more than uh, about that because there was a couple of projects this year that have been doing the same thing, trying to figure out whether the Geminids is in fact because of the the asteroid Phaeton. So there we go. <laughs> and there's more meteor showers coming up at the start of um, 2024. It's the... 
what do you call it, the Quadrantids meteor shower, is that right? The Quadrantids, yeah, the Quadrantids is, uh, is up on the 3rd and 4th of January and that's um, that's a good one as well. It's, it's a, a reasonably uh, active one. Um, Quadrantids is uh, another funny one as well because, again, it's a, it's a, an extinct comet, or uh, as we call it, so a comet that has uh, no more ice uh, left behind. Um, but... Uh, so I guess you could call this one a um, an asteroid as well. Um, and um, oh, actually, no, I think no. Hang on a second. Yeah, sorry, no. So yeah, yeah. Let me just rephrase that. Um, so this one is quite an interesting one as well because we think this one is the leftovers of what used to be a comet that went extinct. So the comet broke apart and then all the little tiny bits of debris uh, that are left drifting around the place, that's what uh, creates the quadrantids. And its name is a little bit different to the other meteor showers as well because usually we talk about uh, meteor showers as having uh, the the name the namesake that comes from them, uh, the, the way that we name them is based on what direction they're coming from, or our perceived direction that they're coming from in terms of the constellation that they appear to radiate from. So the Orionids is from the perspective of Orion uh, or the radiant point of Orion and the Geminids from the Gemini. And this one is the Quadrantids. And you might be thinking, well, there is no Quadrantid <laughs> um constellation and you're right there isn't uh, not in the 88 official constellations but there was a one that was called i believe it was quadrantis or something like that um which is an ancient constellation that we don't we don't talk about anymore but it's not that we don't talk about it's just not part of the 88 constellations not part of the gang um okay looking at the end of 2023 into the start of 2024 then what are the uh, astronomical highlights i suppose that people can look out for wherever they are just doing a bit of garden stargazing or uh, walking the dog and, and looking up what are the things to look out for at this time of year yeah, so um mercury's in its greatest western elongation that's uh, on the 12th of january so that means um it's uh, one of the better times to view mercury it's the the most distant it is from the sun during the morning. So if you're an early riser, you might see a little, uh, little tiny bright star just before the sun rises in the same direction as the sun's rising. And uh, that there could be, uh, could be Mercury. It's a fun little planet is Mercury. I like it. It's quite a good one. Yeah, a fairly warm one, but uh, there it is. So look out for that in the west. We're going to have to be up uh, fairly early before the sun comes up, obviously, but you'll see it there in the mornings. Mercury at its greatest western elongation. Um, Dan, what's the news then from Kielder Observatory? Clearly, uh, people can go on and, and book plenty of sessions now, um, heading into the mid part of, of 2024. But uh, what other news can you bring us from Kielder Observatory? They are. Well, we have a new chief executive uh, as well who's coming to post and the transition period is officially underway where our uh, previous chief executive um, leaves on the 29th of February which happens to coincide with the uh, with the event of um, the tourism awards which we're up for an award in so that's a nice goodbye if we win that yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and <laughs> And the new chief executive is now in post. He started at the beginning of December and he has a very spacey name. His name is Lee Venus. <laughs> Destined to work in astronomy. <laughs> I mean, 
if you're gonna have a, if you're gonna have an astronomical name, you might as well have an astronomical job. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a bonus. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It feels like he's changing name by deed, Paul, just to get the job. But no, that is his official name. I'm yet to discover where it comes from, though, because I'm really interested in 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 how he ended up with this name. Where did it come from? Where did it originate? In terms of events and stuff, though, we've got loads of events all the way through the calendar up until May. I think we're currently um, now advertising events for people love to book these events well in advance so they can book accommodation and stuff like that um we're still in a a period of review as to what we're going to do with some of the events so there might be a little bit of a stall on on getting all of the events on the calendar but we like to make sure that we review all of the events continually to make sure that we're uh, delivering the best kind of product, the best kind of experience, and uh, delivering exactly what it is that, that the people want as well. So we're working hard on on taking all of the feedback that we get, which we do every month, and thinking about how we best uh, sculpt events moving forward as well. So there may be some changes on the way, um, but they'll always be based off uh, changes that people have asked for or people have um, mentioned that they, they would like to see from the observatory. All of these uh, things we're currently uh, really trying to work quite hard on, on doing. Okay, watch this space. There's plenty going on as we head into 2024. Now, do you have a festive pie in the sky? Maybe a mince pie in the sky? I don't know. Something a little more challenging for our listeners to uh, to look out for in the skies of uh, uh, late December, early January at this time of year. Yes. So you're going to need a, a, a good maybe modest telescope, which I'm guessing everybody got for Christmas anyway. So (laughs) I think you should go and have a look at this one here. It's called the Eskimo Nebula or the Clown Face Nebula or the Lion Nebula. It does kind of look like a lion, actually. It's quite interesting. uh, When you see a a really good photograph of this, it looks like a lion's mane. It's beautiful. Um, But the Eskimo Nebula is in the constellation of Gemini. It's a beautiful nebula to take a look at. Very small um, and a a good distance away from us, about 5,000 light years away from us. And this is a planetary nebula. So this is the leftovers of uh, of a star which has died previously. And it's actually a bipolar double-shell planetary nebula, uh, which was discovered by, by William Herschel um, and potentially by, his, by his, uh, his sister as well, Caroline Herschel. And uh, maybe they worked on this one together, uh, but a beautiful one to have a look at. Looks like a little tiny um, fuzzy blob and this is that that dead star which ripped itself apart okay see how you get on with that one and let us know if you're successful maybe send us a picture if you can as well another pie in the sky next month on the Kielda Observatory podcast You're listening to the Kielder Observatory podcast. Now to our main feature, which is around a new project called Kielder Narratives. It's a collaborative project building upon some work that's already been delivered with Southport Dance Company as part of Kielder Dark Skies. And really the idea was to find different ways of engaging the communities in and around Kielder so that they themselves can tell their story of working, living and playing in such a unique environment. It's been funded by Arts Council 
England. And through this funding, uh, we've been able to commission a poet, Dan Simpson. We'll hear from him very soon, who completed a residency in the area to really get a feel for it. And uh, we also uh, will hear very soon from the composer Will Todd. Uh, we also worked with sound designer and producer Chad Mail as well as a couple of voiceover artists, Jill Dello and Chris Cornell, uh, many of which are with us on this podcast. We'll hear the main piece in a moment. But first of all, Dan Pye, Director of Astronomy, you were part of this project, actually. You worked in some of the uh, the workshops that took place around it. But just to explain some of the background to this from a Kielder perspective. I was, and it was a great project to be part of because it really helped us um, express the dark skies in a way that we never have done before with uh, poems and and music. And it was something that I, I must admit I was quite sceptical of, uh, mainly because I, I, <laughs> I'm not particularly the most artsy person. I don't think that I really get the way that artsy people communicate and poetry for me didn't really resonate with me either. But I feel like I have after this workshop, got a whole new appreciation for poetry, the way that music's constructed, and the final piece is just absolutely stunning. I love to hear it. But this um, this really was building on a previous project which we ran called Keel the Dark Skies. And um, the idea was to concrete stories, plays, and poems uh, with the Kielder communities and then um, disseminate these narratives online to catalyze a greater connection with Kielder and its culture. Uh, primarily across the northeast is what we wanted to do this on. So um, that's uh, that's that's the scope of the project, if you like. And I think it really achieved a great deal of that. It engaged the local community. We had a great group of people working with us um, during the session, um, and it was just amazing to hear the different uh, the different words that people use to describe things and hear their different experiences and appreciate the uh, the diversity that we have around the area as well. Well, it is a collaborative project, and I'm pleased to say that uh, a few of those involved in it are joining us on the podcast. Will Todd is a well-known English composer. Um, His work encompasses choral works, large and small, opera, musical theatre, jazz compositions, chamber works, and his anthem, The Call of Wisdom, was performed at the Queen's Diamond Jubilee celebrations with a TV audience of 45 million people. Poet-in-residence Dan Simpson is a writer, performer, producer and educator, and uh, we'll hear more about the work he's done, but he's had work performed around the world, including at the Glastonbury Festival, Chicago's Uptown Poetry Slam, and uh, many more as well, and also featured on the BBC and sound designer and producer Chad Mail, an award-winning music producer, mixer and songwriter hailing from the northeast and based in Newcastle upon Tyne. Uh, his own project Cape Club has amassed nearly 45 million plays on Spotify alone. So all people who are well versed in their various uh, areas that are required to bring this together and we'll hear how they combined to create the Kielder Narratives piece very soon. We'll hear the actual full piece in a few moments. But first of all, to you, Will, as we've heard, you're an experienced composer. You've worked on on many great things. Tell us about your involvement in this particular project, though, and um, how it began for you and how the process began to bring this work to life and and create it. Yeah, I mean, I I had a fantastic time with with Dan. um, I was also up for a while uh, staying at Kielder, and we had some amazing um, experiences being taken around the environment, um, which I don't know if we might talk about in a bit. But um, 
in purely logistical terms, I was part of the workshop that Dan did at the observatory and I, I provided a musical element. And what we did was we, um, alongside sort of creating words with our wonderful participants that we had, we we gathered it into a kind of impromptu song. Now, that, that piece of music hasn't yet been fully realised and we're hoping that that might happen um you know, in the next part of the project, hopefully next year, and perhaps get a choir to record that. Um, but I think what that allowed for Dan was that it gave him a sort of sense of uh, a sort of wider perspective of the poetry that we'd produced um, on that day. And then he's he's gone away and created from that. Um, and then Chad's actually reacted straight off those words. So Chad hasn't actually reacted, as it were, off my music specifically. Um, and he's created that beautiful sound bed. What I'm quite interested in in the next part of the project, I must say, is to get perhaps the song that I worked on recorded chorally and perhaps collaborate with Chad to integrate a sort of sound world in and around it because I think that would be a, a really exciting sort of next step that might come out of it. And so the inspiration really behind it is not just the night sky, it's the whole Kielder experience and that's what you've lived, you know, being in the forest, being out in a remote area but then of course when the night does come it's incredibly dark and you can see some some wonderful things on a clear night too i mean i'm speaking for myself but i think from having spoken to a few of the others around us there's there's a thing that happens when you're there when you're presented with the vastness of the universe and the vastness of keel it's, it's almost overwhelming initially you don't quite know what you what you're going to do apart from kind of stand there in awe at all this sort of integration of the, the natural world, that the man-made natural world up at Kielder, but then also the universe, which you're observing, you know, very wonderfully the way it's presented at, at the observatory there. Um, and in in previous meetings that we've had working on this project going back a couple of years, we've had a, a number of different thoughts, depending on whether we were looking at live music happening at Kielder, which might be something that we're going to explore further down the line, versus what we've got currently, which is Chad's fantastic composition, which I think really captures something of the mysterious but also the emotional um, up there. Because I think that's the thing that you're trying to link, isn't it, Chad, when you're thinking sonic, is how, how do you sort of... Because you know, obviously, you know, music is man-made, human-made, if you like, Um but, but it echoes certain things. And actually what you've done in the soundscape, which I think is fantastic, is there's a sense of sort of a na- the, the nature sort of coming alive in a musical way. I wonder if you could maybe explain how you did that, actually. Thanks, Will. It's really kind of you to say. It's, it's definitely something that informed it. I think when reacting to the word specifically, we, obviously the, when, when we looked at the piece and when I was constructing the, the soundscape, very much reacting off the sections and I felt like it told a story and there were certain peaks and troughs there were moments of calm there were there were pauses there were kind of dramatic moments and I think when you add that to the landscapes that I guess you know we talk about rivers in there well Dan you you talk about rivers in there you talk about industry you talk about nature you talk about that juxtaposition there that sort of exists and there's a kind of tension isn't there there's a tension between that man-made aspect and what is natural and what's kind of a a sort of post-natural thing as well where you've got things that are emerging naturally after it's been changed 
massively. So I think all of that tension definitely played its way into the, into that soundscape. And if I sort of zoom right into it, there's tension in the way that those natural elements are portrayed in the music as well. So we've got sort of harsh pauses, we've got rhythmic elements that are kind of almost at the end, almost right in the background, but almost ravey and almost industrial and kind of jarring. But then they're sort of blended together with kind of atmospheric, ethereal sort of textures and gentle things. And so, yeah, it very much kind of fed off the words and it plays on what it feels like to be there in Kiel. Because I've spent a lot of time up there in the past, been to the observatory quite a few times now, been there at midnight, camped out in Kielda, um, at official at the official Kielda campsite, I should say, <laughs> um, and kind of experience what it feels like to have that silence. And it's really, it's it's really exciting, and also really, um, you kind of feel like you're like enveloped by the whole thing when you're there. And I think with the music, that's kind of what it wanted. I felt like it wanted to sort of portray that kind of calmness, that solitude, but that kind of underbelly of tension and feeling that you get when you are there. Yeah, that's kind of it. I hope that sums it up. Well, we'll listen to the, the final work in full in just a moment. Um, before we do, let's just hear from Dan Simpson. I know we've got two Dans on the podcast, Dan Pye, Director of Astronomy, but Dan Simpson, you are the poet. You did this um, workshop with, with various people from around Kielder to, to come up with the words. So just tell us about your part in this and, and the process that you went through. Initially, the process was, it was just being in the place and being sort of by myself in the place and exploring, but then very much with people who knew it really intimately. Um, I had a great day out with uh, Dave, who runs something called My Take on Kilda, and he just knows that place inside out and knows all the people. We were rattling around in his Jeep, like stopping every now and then as he was like meeting people he knew. So I really got to, you know, as far as I could experience it through the eyes and the the sense of being through someone else um which was really wonderful and then yeah being taken to see the forestry stuff all the um trees being put through this process of being made into useful materials for us and and spending some time up at the observatory both with astronomers and also people coming there to take part in the workshop who are also local people yeah I, I mean really being present for it was the beginning of it and then just like furiously scrabbling notes onto my iphone um for whatever thoughts popped into my brain and then i was like right future dan will take care of those and probably turn them into something decent okay well let's have a listen to it then because then people will have a, a greater understanding of what we're talking about uh, this is the project kielder narratives how can i say silence without breaking it an impossible task yet silence has its own quality. The stretched tautness of a vibrationless eardrum felt as pressure, as absence. Besides, it's not really silent here, but simply very quiet. Our modern life-adjusted hearing Experiencing the relatively noiseless atmosphere and providing the word silence. Perhaps the stargazing scientists know better with their understanding of vacuums and vibrations. 
I am Kilda, the not quite silent, but the so very quiet. From the hilltop, a query radiates out of a room, the observatory speaking a question into space. How? Which is a surface-level word for... Why? Finely tuning their telescopes to listen deeper into the night sky, through the atmosphere and beyond the solar system. The observatory waits for answers, written in the light sent from dying stars. For a long time, silence. And then, in an instant, a reply. Later, understanding. Our feet sink silently into heather, which springs back gently like we were never there. It giggles at the game of seemingly staying the same. From the peak of Deadwater Fell, the radar tower waves continuously at all around it, as if it is desperate for a conversation. It breathes heavily, gasping in its invisible insistence, suffocating the electromagnetic spectrum so the people below cannot speak on their phones. Tempting to believe that it looks down on us, but really it is looking up to the sky and the strange birds that fly in it. Here, we make the river hold its breath, taking a big gulp in, puffing out its cheeks. I'll just chill here then, the water thinks as it slows. But it's not alone. Hello, Moon. The edges of its reservoir form slosh to and fro, wriggling around the creatures that live inside it. My body was created by science. But now fish swim freely through me. And it tickles. A trickle of water is allowed to escape its pursed lips, rushing through the pipes, shouting, Freedom. Rushing away to who knows where. We speak with the voice of a million beings, a chorus growing from sapling to timber, the sharp breath as our roots are shoved into soil, a slow, gentle hum as we grow through the decades, the buzz of a chainsaw as we are cut and we fall. We are all young, none of us wise as our elders are, though the form we take belies it. You want to see history in us, a link to some ancient past as if we have witnessed you growing up through the ages. But the rings of our trunks tell a short dendrochronology. You are older than us on this land. We are a factory of trees, cycling from season to season. An industrial plantation, a recreation of the wildest forests go. We are a clumsy child, a crescendo of leaves reaches for the sky before the falling drumbeat trunk on earth. The dead notes of silence return to the clearing.
Nobody is ever really stuck. It is your nature to be free. The moon whispers across space, gently pulling the reservoir to its edges and back. In turn, the water nips at our fingers semi-playfully, leaving a cool residue. I will bite if you let me. Both telescopes and trees collect light, giving back to us life. As the video zooms out to show a cosmic web of galaxies, my neurons run in an electric hum of thought. The video ends. Darkness. From the side of the room, a voice. In the beginning was nothing. The man is silhouetted by the light of the projector, hitting a screen showing us a representation of void. I think back to visiting the source of the Tyne, marked by an obelisk and surrounded by sheep, over the border of England in another country, and how, standing there earlier, that didn't seem to mean anything. We are drawn to definition, boundaries and beginnings. This was the universe microseconds into its existence. At its origin, the river is silent, holding its breath, gathering energy for a downhill ride to its mouth. By now, all the natural elements are present. And I recall that fantastical-seeming everyday fact. Everything we're formed of was forged in the hearts of stars. The river pauses and pools nearby in a human-made reservoir. Someone asks a question about dark matter, dark energy, and I wonder what unseen forces determine what happens around Kielder. The orbit of people around this lake, this forest, this place, spinning out into villages, into pubs, into houses we make homes. Each an interdependent particle affecting the whole system. The unseen falling of a tree, a butterfly effect network rippling out. The man's face is lit by the light of uncountable galaxies. We know the universe is expanding, but we don't know how it will end. There, that is fantastic, isn't it? Superb piece of work, so atmospheric and yeah, it's a real journey, isn't it? And all through the experiences that you lived as a group of you involved in this project, but also bringing to life those experiences of the people from around Kielder as well. Um, let's go back to Dan Simpson and Will Todd. Um, Will, you were one of the composers musically for, for this work, working alongside Dan and, of course, Chad brings it to life and we'll speak to each of you. But um, how did the process go then when you had this workshop with some people from the local area and, and, and really starting to form the piece in its in its first instance so, so so we had i don't know how many about 25 30 people possibly um and dan got them to write poetry which was incredible i i, I was there I, I had my little keyboard in there and we I sort of improvised a bit of um star music i was thinking in my mind as they came in and then dan got them thinking about um different aspects and I know it's what you do, Dan, but before long, people would stop coming along with couplets and then little phrases. Um, and actually what we ended up with at the end of that session was we sort of had a refrain, didn't we, that they, they sang, which was made up out of their words. And then people spoke little bits that they'd 
done. And actually, it was quite nice because we initially thought um, maybe people would be a bit nervous, but actually, we ended up with quite a lot of people wanting to speak their thoughts. So, so for me, observing down at work, because I, 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 you know, I was, I was, I wasn't exactly in the background because I, I did the song bit, but um, it was really great that people came up with all those images and ideas, which I guess you wouldn't necessarily have thought of yourself. Is that right? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think there's something about being present and open and available to the whole sense of the place. And that very much includes the people. Um, yeah, it felt more like a, unlike some of my work, more like a channeling of what's here. Whenever I do a residency, I, I feel like that's the approach for me. I'm in there and, you know, everything I'm experiencing is through this consciousness, I suppose, but very much being aware that it's a filter for something else. I think that's true of the landscape. And yeah, we'll very much with the people in that room who came to our workshop, which was one of the most wonderful workshops I've run, especially as, as you said, they were, I think a general sense of nervousness, not too sure what are we doing exactly. And then getting them expressing something really um, in response to their experience of Kilda. And then we'll adding in this beautiful music and getting everyone singing this repeated refrain Ah, yeah, it was absolutely beautiful experience. Incredibly inspiring for the writing, for sure. And Chad, ultimately, you pulled everything together. Will and Dan Simpson, uh, who's with us, came up with the, with the words and, and an idea for the music. Um, ultimately, though, it was you that performed it and brought it all to life and, and pulled it together to that to be that piece that we we just heard there. Just tell us about that that process for you and and and, and your thoughts on it. With something like this, I think with the best kind of art or music or anything like this, it's something you can, it feels like a conversation, doesn't it? And it doesn't just feel like something you're observing or you're looking at or it feels like, and I think if this does turn into a sort of body of work of sorts or something that does continue, it would be amazing to kind of turn that into more of a conversation. So it really excites me what you said, Will, about the choral stuff as well. That That is like the close to being the, the purest embodiment of their voice and at least get, that'll give you the emotional feeling and resonant, resonance, won't it? And I suppose if that can feed its way into it, if if more conversations with people in the locality, physical things happen in there, be a pretty special thing. And if this is just the starting point, then that's a really exciting place to be starting from, isn't it? It is, yeah. I think just from my perspective, though, I think because um, I, I was part of the workshop that um, Will and Dan did at the observatory, and it was very unexpected for me because I, I kind of went into it like you say quite nervous quite uh apprehensive about what was going to happen i've never r- written poetry before and to be honest i've never really been interested in poetry before <laughs> uh, no disrespect to you dan but it was just that I, I don't know i've never really connected with poetry but i really felt like that during the session you helped us you guided us through it in such a way that I actually started to really enjoy it, unexpectedly enjoyed it, and really, uh, really feel like I got something from it. And and the same with Will as well. Seeing Will produce this music just from uh, what he was hearing around the room and reacting to what he was hearing around the room was almost magical and awe-inspiring in such a way. Um, so from my perspective, on that basis, it was incredible. But also from our perspective as the observatory as well i think it's really important to acknowledge the different experiences people have with the dark skies around the area and that's something that we become a little bit insular of we get this uh, very much single-minded view of we do astronomy and we forget about 
the fact that people live around the area and what their experiences are about the dark skies. So I think it was really enlightening for us to hear these different stories and to hear these different experiences uh, presented in such a way. So great job. It's really nice to hear that because you, because you don't, you don't, um, uh, you don't, in a sense, always get the feedback of, 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 of what happened in a session. And, and I know I both felt when we came out, we thought that was a really special session. You know, that was sort of our, our feeling of it, wasn't it? Um, so it's nice to hear that, that, because that's, that's sort of the feeling we had in the room that people went from, do I have anything to do with poetry to suddenly saying beautiful little phrases coming out from people, like really powerful sort of part of the thing. So to hear you express that is really, really lovely, isn't it, Dan? Dan S, that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much. Yeah, really lovely to hear, Dan. Um, yeah, and I think that that's, for me, also the power of poetry. It is something, I, the, the, the generalisation, but people often do struggle to connect with it in an everyday sort of general way, and then it gets busted out at the big life events like births and weddings and funerals. And they go, oh, okay, yeah, there's something there for me. Um, but maybe not most of the time. So to try and make it a bit more everyday accessible and just it is your voice, our voices being expressed in the same way that music is really, um, is really, yeah, lovely to hear that we, we got some of that from the participants there. Yeah, it felt true. So thanks, Dan. A key part of this piece that we haven't really talked about so far are the voices that you use in it. Uh, two voiceover artists, Jill Dello and Chris Connell, were the voices that featured, obviously very, very prominently uh, in this whole composition. Um, I don't know, Chad, if you want to talk to us more about the voices that that, uh, that you chose and, and feature in this piece. So I didn't actually decide on them. I, I, I was gifted with them. <laughs> the, um, and then... But they were um, they were amazing. Um, they because at first I didn't know if it would be people with northeast accents, people with even more local accents to to Kielder. I didn't know how it would work, and they couldn't. Have, I don't think they could have captured it any better. Really, they kind of they sound so authentic to the to the area. So when they tell the stories in in here, they kind of they just sit there really nicely, and it feels really pure as well when we were recording I, I, there was hardly anything I really needed to do with them to be honest we kind of we we sectioned it out we spoke about the themes we thought about the call and response elements you know where one person might be speaking to the other we were asking you know are there characters here um if so how should these characters be presented whether it's the person in the observatory um who's speaking to the projector whether it's the voice of a million beings that, you know, you've got all these different sort of subtle personas throughout, at least we interpreted it that way. And you've got these kind of different, almost playful characters. It was almost like a play in that sense. So how do we do that with two people that are kind of speaking to this? Are we, are we turning it into a conversation? Are we turning this into chunks? And that was so interesting and they were so natural with it as well. And it made my job really easy. Um, there's an interesting, I'm sure Jill won't mind me saying this as well, but she came in and she said she didn't realise it. I think she was speaking to one of her parents or something and she'd said that her grandfather actually lived in Kielder. She didn't know this and worked there. So there was, there was almost like an ancestral kind of channeling when she was recording it. I didn't know that. And she she was quite surprised by, by that information too. And that kind of fed into it as well. Um, so working with them was a real pleasure. They got it. They were invested in it. They weren't just sort of hitting record and going for it. 
we really tried to think about how those stories wanted to be told within the piece and and yeah they were just a pure pleasure to work with to be honest they were brilliant and so it's a lot of work a big responsibility for you chad to bring all this together you've had the you know the 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 sessions the creative sessions where people have contributed their thoughts Dan has done his poetry, Will's done his composition, but ultimately it's you that brings all this to life with the voices. What was the reaction and how was it when you finally let it out of your studio into the world to be heard? Um, it's at that moment before you sort of go over the hill on a roller coaster and you kind of <laughs> you get ready for it and then it goes. Um, yeah, it's it's been lovely. I had some really, really nice feedback, um, often a kind of, going back to what I was saying, often quite emotional feedback as well. People who've listened to it felt quite moved by the words and, and, and the message there and the kind of feeling that it embodies, um, which is, you know, working in music, and Will, you'll know this, quite often you provoke an emotional response. But with this, it's been quite different. It's not like a song. It's not like a, a standard piece of production. It's kind of something a bit more interesting than that. Um, so yeah, I've had some some really lovely feedback, and for me personally, working on it's been a pure joy. It's been something a little bit different, and it's nice to kind of exercise those creative muscles, isn't it, on something that's quite quite all encompassing and, and 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 large in its scope. So yeah, it's been it's been really lovely. And Dan Simpson, the man behind the words, um, what's the feedback you've received then? Because obviously, a lot of work went into it with the local community, as you mentioned. And uh, how's their reaction been to, to hearing the final production? I've had some lovely feedback from people, which is really wonderful. Um, this is definitely work I'm like, more proud of than normal. I'm proud of all the work I make, but there, there did feel like something pretty special about this one. Um, so it's one of the few pieces I kind of message around to all my friends and family and um, people I know going, would you listen? Please listen. And yeah, the feedback has been really wonderful. Um, I, I particularly, I've, I've worked in sort of, public engagement with of science um public communication of science and public engagement for a while so i've sent it to some of my scientist friends who are engaged in that as well um and that their feedback has been really wonderful they've they've gone wow this is a really excellent project for what we do uh, so that's been yeah, lovely to hear as well now will you're a composer you've been behind some really big productions in your career um what's the next step with this for you then what would you like to see happen with this piece to take it on to an, another level so actually what we've what we've done so far and i know we're hoping as i say to record this little bit of choral music as well that came out of the the workshop um during next year with with one of the newcastle choirs i'm hoping um, voices of hope might be able to record that for us um you know these are stepping stones potentially towards uh, a larger piece of work platforming forward to another piece of work or a large piece of work we've sort of got some blocks in place that we know feel right so um although the timelines ended up sort of starting to be longer than perhaps Catherine originally thought or we originally thought i think um it will progress at the pace at its natural pace um, so I hope we can make a bigger piece. Um, but what we've got so far feels very authentic, which I think is the most important thing. Our thanks to Will Todd, 
Dan Simpson and Chad Mayle for joining us, three of those involved in Kielder Narratives. You can see the full video uh, and uh, much more information about it online at kielderobservatory.org. When you get there, if you click on the outreach section, you'll see Kielder Narratives. Have a click on that and you'll be able to see the video of it. You can also search YouTube for Kielder Narratives as well. While you're at the website, don't forget you can book now for many of our events taking place over the coming few months. In fact, the end of April, all on sale now, uh, including Aurora Nights, including astrophotography, even a basic introduction to astronomy and some family-friendly events as well, covering the Easter holidays. So now is the time to book if you want to take the kids or have a family visit over the course of the Easter holidays. Get online and book. You can see the sessions available and just visit kielderobservatory.org for all the information. Thanks once again for joining us on this episode of the Kielder Observatory podcast. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes and check out some of the past episodes as well covering some fantastic topics including black holes, volcanoes of space and dark matter. Many things covered. Thanks again, and we'll join you on the next episode of the Kielder Observatory podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.